Achieving a gorgeous grin from home isn't a total mystery with Byteclear aligners. Just don't be surprised if all of your sleuthing friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Byteclear aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crow portrays an ex-homicide detective, unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Welcome to the Science of Success. Introducing your host, Matt Bodner. Welcome to the Science of Success. I'm your host, Matt Bodner. I'm an entrepreneur and investor in Nashville, Tennessee, and I'm obsessed with the mindset of success and the psychology of performance. I've read hundreds of books, conducted countless hours of research and study, and I'm going to take you on a journey into the human mind and what makes peak performers tick with a focus on always having our discussions rooted in psychological research and scientific fact, not opinion. Today, you're going to learn why con artists always wear lifts in their shoes, how a normal person can administer lethal shocks to an innocent research subject, why 95% of nurses were willing to give deadly doses of a dangerous drug to their patients, and much more. Because the science of success has taken off like a rocket ship since launch, with more than 80,000 downloads hitting the front page of New and Noteworthy and much more, I wanted to offer something to you. I'm giving away my three favorite psychology books to one lucky listener. Just text SMARTER, that's S-M-A-R-T-E-R, to 44222 to be entered to win. And if you've been listening and loving the podcast, please leave us an awesome review and subscribe on iTunes. It helps spread the word so more people can master the science of success. This is the fifth episode in a six-part series on the science of success titled Weapons of Influence and based on the best-selling book Influence by Robert Cialdini. Each of these weapons of influence are deeply rooted and verified by experimental psychology research, which you will get a ton of amazing examples of. Last week, we talked about what made a guy named Joe Girard the greatest car salesman of all time, 
how Tupperware grew their sales to $2.5 million a day, why uglier criminals are more than twice as likely to go to jail, and much more. If you haven't checked out that episode yet, listen to it after you listen to this one. This week, we're going to talk about the authority bias. This bias can create some astounding effects in the real world, and as some of these research studies show, can often impact life and death decisions. Authority bias is one of the most adaptive and ingrained biases, partially because much of the time listening to authorities is beneficial and the right thing to do. Just like the other weapons of influence, however, our minds can play tricks on us, and those automatic click-were responses that we talked about in the episode on the biological limits of the mind can misfire at the worst possible times. Here's how Cialdini describes the authority bias in influence. Quote, We rarely agonize to such a degree over the pros and cons of authority demands. In fact, our obedience frequently takes place in a click-were fashion with little or no conscious deliberation. Information from a recognized authority can provide us a valuable shortcut for deciding how to act in a situation. Conforming to the dictates of authority figures has always had genuine practical advantages for us. Early on, these people, parents, teachers, etc., knew more than we did, and we found that taking their advice proved beneficial, partly because of their greater wisdom and partly because they controlled our rewards and punishments. As adults, the same benefits persist for the same reasons, though the authority figures are now employers, judges, and government leaders. Because their positions speak of greater access to information and power, It makes sense to comply with the wishes of properly constituted authorities. It makes so much sense, in fact, that we often do so when it makes no sense at all. End quote. Longtime listeners will know that I'm a huge fan of Charlie Munger, Warren Buffett's billionaire business partner. Here's how he describes the authority bias, and in particular, a study using flight simulators and the authority bias. Quote, They don't do this in airplanes, but they've done it in simulators. They have the pilot do something where an idiot co-pilot would know the plane was going to crash. But the pilot's doing it, and the co-pilot's sitting there, and the pilot is the authority figure. 25% of the time, the plane crashes. I mean, this is a very powerful psychological tendency. Unquote. And I think one of the most important things that that Cialdini said is that authority bias is adaptive. What do I mean when I say it's adaptive? I mean that it has an extremely positive evolutionary benefit. It's incredibly rewarding and beneficial, especially when we're growing up, to listen to authority figures. They control our rewards and punishment. They know what's going on. They provide us with wisdom. And that Most of the time, it makes a ton of sense, but occasionally it completely misfires. Just like the other weapons of influence, this is something that on the surface seems relatively obvious. Yes, authorities can exert influence over people, but when you look at some of the manifestations and the ways that 
authority bias plays tricks on our mind, it's fascinating. Let's dig into some of the research examples. Of course, the most well-known example of the authority bias in action is the infamous Milgram experiment using electronic shocks. In this experiment, ordinary people were asked to deliver increasingly deadly electric shocks to a test subject who was in fact a paid actor and was not receiving real shocks. The results were shocking and defied much of what people thought about human behavior at the time. Here's how Cialdini describes the experiment in depth. Quote, Rather than yield to the pleas of the victim, about two-thirds of the subjects in Milgram's experiment pulled every one of the 30 shock switches in front of them and continued to engage in the last switch, 450 volts, until the researcher ended the experiment. More alarming still, almost none of the 40 subjects in the study quit his job as teacher when the victim first began to demand his release, nor later when he began to beg for it, nor even later when his reaction to each shock had become, in Milgram's words, quote, definitely an agonized scream. The results surprised everyone associated with the project, Milgram included. In fact, before the study began, he asked Groups of colleagues, graduate students, and psychology majors at Yale University, where the experiment was performed, to read a copy of the experimental procedures and estimate how many subjects would go all the way to the last 450-volt shock. Invariably, the answers fell in the 1-2% to range. A separate group of 39 psychiatrists predicted that only about one person in a thousand would be willing to continue to the end. No one, then, was prepared for the behavior pattern that the experiment actually produced, unquote. Here's how Milgram himself said it, quote, It is the extreme willingness of adults to go to almost any lengths on the command of an authority that constitutes the chief finding of this study, unquote. The Milgram experiment is the bedrock of the authority bias, and also one of the most controversial and talked about studies in psychology. Cialdini elaborates more on the importance and the significance of the Milgram experiment by saying, quote, In the Milgram studies of obedience, we can see evidence of strong pressure in our society for compliance with requests of an authority. Acting contrary to their own preferences, many normal, psychologically healthy individuals were willing to deliver dangerous and severe levels of pain to another person because they were directed to do so by an authority figure. The strength of this tendency to obey legitimate authorities comes from the systematic socialization practices designed to instill in members of society the perception that such obedience constitutes correct conduct." And again, the person in this experiment wasn't actually receiving electric shocks. What they did was they had an actor who was the test subject, but the actual subject was the person administering the shocks. And then they had another, they had the researcher in a white lab coat basically saying, you know, continue to shock them, like shock them at a higher level, shock them at a higher level. And they weren't actually being shocked, but the actor was, uh, you know, the person administering the shocks by every right, believed that they were actually administering real shocks, and the person who was 
the, you know, they would see this, this person being shocked and begging for release and saying, please stop shocking me. And they would keep doing it because the authority was telling them to do so. And many of you have probably heard of this experiment. The Milgram experiment is very, very uh, talked about. And if, you, if you've read even some rudimentary psychology research, I'm sure you've run into it or heard it talked about or uncovered it. Um, but I, you, know, you can't have a conversation about the authority bias and not have a prominent place in the discussion about the Milgram experiment. At the time, it was totally groundbreaking. And even, even today, it, the, the findings are uh, astounding. So let's look at a few other different examples. One of them is about symbols of authority. Cialdini cites a number of actors who play TV roles, from doctors to Martin Sheen playing the president on West Wing, as examples of how people defer to, quote, authorities who have no actual substance, but only the appearance and the trappings of authority. And we talked about this in the previous episode when we talked about the liking bias, right? Celebrity endorsements are, are harping on kind of the connection between authority and the liking bias and the fact that you have celebrities who don't have any credentials or any credibility to be talking about um, some particular thing, but they, they just happen to be an actor playing a particular role. But the symbol of that authority alone is enough to impact people at a subconscious level and to drive behavior. Here's how Cialdini puts it, quote, the appearance of authority was enough. This tells us something important about unthinking reactions to authority figures. When in a click were mode, we are often as vulnerable to the symbols of authority as to the substance. Several of these symbols can reliably trigger our compliance in the absence of the genuine substance of authority. Consequently, these symbols are employed extensively by those compliance professionals who are short on substance. Con artists, for example, drape themselves with the titles, the clothes, and the trappings of authority. They love nothing more than to emerge elegantly dressed from a fine automobile and to introduce themselves to their prospective marks as doctor or judge or professor or commissioner someone. They understand that when they are so adorned, their chances for compliance are greatly increased. Each of these three types of symbols of authority, titles, clothes, and trappings, has its own story and is worth a deeper look, unquote. And that ties into another research study, which it, I find really funny, but a crazy example that, again, kind of ties back into the liking bias. We talked about how important physical attractiveness can be. People perceived the same person to be more than 2.5 inches taller simply when their title was changed from student to professor. And this is a study they conducted in 1992. Here's how Cialdini describes it. Quote, Studies investigating the way in which authority status affects perceptions of size have found that prestigious titles lead to height distortions. In one experiment conducted on five classes of Australian college students, a man was introduced as a visitor from Cambridge University in England. However, his status at Cambridge was represented differently in each of the classes. To one class, he was presented as a student. To a second class, a demonstrator. To another, a lecturer. And to yet another, a senior lecturer. To a fifth, a professor. After he left the room, the class was asked to estimate his height. It was found that with each increase in status, the same man grew in perceived height by an average of a half inch, so that the professor, he was seen as 2.5 inches taller than the student. 
Another study found that after winning an election, politicians became taller in the eyes of the citizenry. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Hiring the right person takes time. Time that you often don't have. But you shouldn't let a time crunch get in the way of finding the right candidates for your business. That's why LinkedIn is the best place to post your job. In fact, I was on LinkedIn Jobs this morning looking for candidates to fill a key role in one of my businesses. LinkedIn Jobs screens candidates with hard and soft skills you're looking for so that you can hire the right person quickly. You can look for things like collaboration, creativity, and adaptability, looking beyond just work skills and resumes to connect you with the candidates who are a perfect match for your business. That's how LinkedIn makes sure that your job post gets in front of the people you actually want to hire because they have a much better ability to get a deep insight into exactly who is the right candidate for you and your business. Find the right person meant for your business today with LinkedIn Jobs. You can pay what you want and the first $50 is on them. Just visit linkedin.com slash success. Again, that's linkedin.com slash success to get $50 off your first job post. Terms and conditions apply. A crazy corollary of this story is, of course, the reason why con artists often wear lifts in their shoes so that they can appear taller, right? Because it works both ways. And again, this kind of ties back into the concept of the liking bias. The next experiment is something that I like to call the astrogen experiment. After they conducted this experiment, they surveyed a different group of 33 nurses and only two indicated that they would have done this. They would have done what happens in the experiment, which you're about to find out what that is. Showing off just how massive the gap between what we think we do and what we actually do really is. It ties back into the same thing, the power of the subconscious mind, the power of all of these weapons of influence, the power of the click were responses that are biologically built into our brains. Again, when surveyed 
a different group of nurses, only two out of 33 said they would have done what happened in this experiment. Here's how Cialdini describes the research, quote, A group of researchers composed of doctors and nurses with connections to three Midwestern hospitals became increasingly concerned with the extent of mechanical obedience to doctor's orders on the part of nurses. One of the researchers made an identical phone call to 22 separate nurses stations on various surgical, medical, pediatric, and psychiatric wards. He identified himself as a hospital physician and directed the answering nurse to give 20 milligrams of a drug, astrogen, to a specific ward patient. There were four excellent reasons for the nurse's caution in response to this order. One, the prescription was transmitted by phone in direct violation of hospital policy. Two, the medication itself was unauthorized. Astrogen had not been cleared for use nor placed on the ward stock list. Three, the prescribed dosage was obviously and dangerously excessive. The medication containers clearly stated that the maximum daily dose was only 10 milligrams, half of what had been ordered. Four, the directive was given by a man the nurse had never met, seen, or even talked with before on the phone. Yet in 95% of the instances, the nurses went straight to the ward medicine cabinet where they secured the ordered dosage of estrogen and started for the patient's room to administer it. It was at this point that they were stopped by a secret observer who revealed the nature of the experiment. The results are frightening indeed that 95% of regular staff nurses complied unhesitatingly with a patently improper instruction of this sort must give us all as potential hospital patients great reason for concern. What the Midwestern study shows is that the mistakes are hardly limited to the trivial slips in the administration of harmless eardrops or the like, but extend to grave and dangerous blunders. Additional data collected in the Hoffling study, the study we're talking about, suggested that nurses may not be as conscious of the extent to which the title doctor sways their judgment or actions. A separate group of 33 nurses and student nurses were asked what they would have done in the experimental situation. Contrary to the actual findings, only two predicted that they would have given the dose, unquote. Again, this highlights the massive gap between how we perceive ourselves and our behavior and how our behavior actually is. We have this conscious interpretation that, oh, of course something as obvious as liking or social proof or authority isn't going to really impact my decisions. You know, I'm smarter than that. I'm not going to fall prey to something so silly, right? And I mean, makes me think of the experiment we talked about last episode about judges and how, how they can fall prey to one of the most starkly obvious biases imaginable physical appearance. It's astounding, but in this, in this research study, only two out of 33 nurses thought that they would have done that, but in reality, 95% of them were willing to administer an illegal and deadly dose of medicine from, person, from a person they had never met, never spoken to, simply because they referred to themselves as a doctor. This next experiment I find particularly hilarious. I call it Give That Man a Dime. They conducted a number of experimental variants on this, but I like this one the best because the authority figure himself was actually around the corner when this request took place. I'll let Cialdini explain the experiment for you. Quote, 
Especially revealing was one version of the experiment in which the requester stopped pedestrians and pointed to a man standing by a parking meter 50 feet away. The requester, whether dressed normally or as a security guard, always said the same thing to the pedestrian. Quote, you see that guy over there? He's overparked but doesn't have any change. Give him a dime. The requester then turned a corner and walked away so that by the time the pedestrian reached the meter, the requester was out of sight. The power of his uniform lasted, however, even after he was long gone. Nearly all of the pedestrians complied with his directive when he wore the guard costume, but fewer than half did so when he was dressed normally. Unquote. Now, when you think about that on the surface, it doesn't seem like anything kind of crazy or bizarre or weird is happening, right? Yeah, I mean, if you see somebody in a, in a security guard outfit, you know, they're probably an authority. You should probably listen to them. But the reality of this bias is... Just because a total stranger happens to be wearing a different set of clothes drastically changes the way that people react to them, right? That's really a great example and and, and a concrete way to think about the authority bias, right? Nothing about that person changed except for the clothes that they were wearing. And those clothes materially impacted the way that people reacted to their statement to give that man a dime, right? It, It changed the way that people behaved and perceived that person simply by changing their clothes. Something that in reality had no impact on their credibility, no impact on their authority, no impact on whether or not someone should have complied with their request. In another research study that I call the suited jaywalker, they they had somebody cross the street, right? And they had somebody jaywalk. And in in half of the cases, the person jaywalking was in a freshly pressed suit and tie and looking very nice and, and looking very formal. And in the other half, they just had them wearing a, a work shirt and trousers. And what they really wanted to monitor was how many pedestrians who were standing on that street corner would follow the jaywalker. What they actually discovered was that three and a half times as many pedestrians were willing to jaywalk following the suited man as they were willing to follow the person that was dressed in just sort of regular everyday clothes. Again, a similar instance in the fact that just changing your clothing, just changing your appearance can communicate at a subconscious level that, hey, this is somebody of authority. This is somebody that we should listen to. This is someone whose advice we should take, someone whose whose model we should follow. So, What are some of the learnings from this episode? What are some of the learnings from this research? There are a number of major drivers of the authority bias. The first is that the authority bias is adaptive. It's ingrained in us since childhood. And frequently, it has very positive effects. Here's a quick quote by Cialdini on this. In addition, it is frequently adaptive to obey the dictates of genuine authorities because such individuals usually possess high levels of knowledge, wisdom, and power. For these reasons, deference to authorities can occur in a mindless fashion as a kind of decision-making shortcut, end quote. Again, this is the same learning that we're getting from many of the different weapons of influence. These are things that are evolutionarily beneficial. These are things that are positive traits and positive characteristics, but occasionally they just have these wacky misfires that end up in people doing ridiculous things. The second learning is that symbols of authority, however vacuous, have the same effect as actual authority, right? We talked about celebrity endorsements. We talked about, you know, the research studies that that kind of back that up. The second major learning is that symbols of authority, however vacuous, 
have the same effect as actual authority. There's a couple different ways that manifests itself, right? We talked about titles and how they have a massive impact. Thinking back to the astrogen experiment, how just a total stranger on the phone using the word doctor was able to drive those nurses to administer a potentially lethal dose of medicine. Here's, here's how Cialdini elaborates on it a little bit more. Quote, titles are simultaneously the most difficult and the easiest symbols of authority to acquire. To earn a title normally takes years of work and achievement, yet it is possible for somebody who has put in none of this effort to adopt the mere label and receive a kind of automatic deference. As we have seen, actors in TV commercials and con artists do it successfully all the time, unquote. Another one of these vacuous symbols of authority is clothing. Clothing alone can create compliance and the illusion of authority. Think back to the, the jaywalker and the, and the give that man a dime experiment, right? Here's how Cialdini sums it up, quote, A second kind of authority symbol that can trigger our mechanical compliance is clothing. The more tangible, though more tangible than a title, the cloak of authority is every bit as fakeable, unquote. I think one of the last big learnings about authority, and, and we see this learning across the weapons of influence, but it's that people massively underestimate how much authority bias actually influences them. When we think back to the astrogen experiment, only two out of the 33 nurses said that they would have done that, but when in reality, when actually tested in an experiment, 95% of them did that. Here's how Cialdini explains that, quote, People were unable to predict correctly how they or others would react to authority influence. In each instance, the effect of such influence was grossly underestimated. This property of authority status may account for much of its success as a compliance device. Not only does it work forcefully on us, but it does so unexpectedly, unquote. So how can we defend against the authority bias? Something that we naturally underestimate and something that can really operate at a subconscious level. Again, the defenses for a lot of the weapons of influence really stem back to the same ideas of awareness, of asking the right questions, of being self-aware and, and understanding what thoughts are going in your mind, what things you're thinking about and the way that you're feeling, being able to tap into that and kind of say, hey, something seems amiss, right? Why am I complying with this person's request? But Cialdini specifically cites two questions that he suggests we ask as a way to combat the authority bias. The first question he suggests that we ask is, is this authority truly an expert, right? And this asks us to kind of boil down and really think about, do they actually know what they're talking about? What makes them a real expert? And in many of the research instances that we've cited, you know, it's patently obvious that if you pause for one moment and think, okay, no, this person isn't an expert, so I shouldn't let their opinion or their comment bias me unnecessarily. The second question, which we really only answer if the person actually happens to be an expert, is how truthful can we expect this expert to be, especially given the situation and the context of the situation? Right, and, and, and what that kind of tries to tap into is that even though authorities, if they're a true expert, may actually be the most knowledgeable, have the most experience, be the experts, do they really have our best interest in mind, right? Or are they, in this particular instance, trying to manipulate us or trying to drive us to perform a certain action or to do a certain thing? And so trying to kind of 
keep those questions in your mind, trying to ask, is this authority really an expert? You know, is somebody crossing the street just because they're wearing a suit? Do they, do they know more about crossing the street than anybody else? Right. Is this person who just called me on the phone and said they're a doctor, how do I know they're, they're really a doctor? Is this person really an expert? And two, if they really are an expert, how truthful can I really expect them to be? Again, the way that you tap into that automatic subconscious processing that's going on in your mind is to develop the presence and the ability to understand and to see what thoughts are taking place in your mind. And meditation is an amazing tool for doing that, um, which we've got an upcoming episode on that's going to be awesome. Thank you so much for listening to The Science of Success. We created this show to help you, our listeners, master evidence-based growth. I love hearing from listeners. If you want to reach out, share your story, or just say hi, shoot me an email. My email is matt at successpodcast.com. That's M-A-T-T at successpodcast.com. I'd love to hear from you, and I read and respond to every single listener email. I'm going to give you three reasons why you should sign up for our email list today by going to successpodcast.com, signing up right on the homepage. There's some incredible stuff that's only available to those on the email list, so be sure to sign up, including an exclusive curated weekly email from us called Mindset Monday, which is short, simple, filled with articles, stories, things that we found interesting and fascinating in the world of evidence-based growth in the last week. Next, you're getting an exclusive chance to shape the show, including voting on guests, submitting your own personal questions that we'll ask guests on air, and much more. Lastly, you're going to get a free guide we created based on listener demand, our most popular guide, which is called How to Organize and Remember Everything. You can get it completely for free, along with another surprise bonus guide by signing up and joining the email list today. Again, you can do that at successpodcast.com, sign up right at the homepage, or If you're on the go, just text the word SMARTER, S-M-A-R-T-E-R, to the number 44222. Remember, the greatest compliment you can give us is a referral to a friend, either live or online. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave us an awesome review and subscribe on iTunes because that helps boost the algorithm that helps us move up the iTunes rankings and helps more people discover the science of success. Don't forget, if you want to get all the incredible information we talk about in the show, links, transcripts, everything we discuss, and much more, be sure to check out our show notes. You can get those at successpodcast.com. Just hit the show notes button right at the top. Thanks again, and we'll see you on the next episode of The Science of Success.